Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is the work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We're located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. You can reach us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, That You May Grow Thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Litmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. I'm Jacob Taylor, one of the evangelists. I'm Ross Oldenkamp, also an evangelist. Today we turn our attention once again to the Gospel according to Luke, and we'll begin by looking at Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Again, that's Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Under these circumstances, after so many thousands of people had gathered together, that they were stepping on one another, he began saying to his disciples, first of all, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. But there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known. Accordingly, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. Whatever you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Now I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you of whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed someone, has the power to throw that person into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are five sparrows not sold for two Assyria? And one of them has gone unnoticed in the sight of God. But even the hairs of your head are all counted. Do not fear, for you are more valuable than a great number of sparrows. Now I say to you, everyone who who confesses me before people, the Son of Man will also confess him before the angels. But the one who denies me before people will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. Now when they bring you before the synagogues, and the officials and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense, or what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. While all of this was taking place in the home of a Pharisee, apparently... A great multitude of people had gathered to hear. And in their eagerness to see and to hear and to be near Jesus, they were actually pressing in on each other. Jesus had a great deal to say to these people by way of warning. Some of it is a repeat of things Jesus had said at other times, such as in the Sermon on the Mount and the Commission of the Twelve. But first he spoke to the disciples. Yeah, and he calls their uh, great sin, which is hypocrisy, a leaven, and warns lest this leaven or this this yeast, which uh, has the ability to grow, uh, should rub off on any of these disciples. Beware, lest you be like them, is the warning. And of course, a hypocrite is a word which means an understudy, uh, an actor, one who's playing a role or a part. And so he, he's only wanting to show the good part. He wants everybody to believe that he is something when he is nothing, that he is good when he has this hidden other side. And, you know, he's, the answer to that is by understanding that they're not going to get away with it. There will come a time when they will be revealed. And Scripture is very clear about that. At the judgment, I know there's a phrase in Ecclesiastes 12, God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or 
evil. In Romans it's said that in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So the practice of hiding who you really are is not a safe bet because judgment will reveal these things. Now, following Jesus would result in persecution. And there may be the temptation to, among some to seek to hide their faith in him. But true faith can't be hidden. It will not allow the one who possesses it to remain quiet. It is of such a nature that it must be proclaimed from the housetops. Yes, there would be fear among the disciples when persecution came. That was just natural. However, the one to truly fear was not man. The worst that a man can do to a man is kill him. The hand of man does not reach into the grave. God does. God is the one who deserves to be feared, for his hand reaches into the grave in eternity. Man cannot spend, uh, send a single person to heaven or to hell. And, of course, the answer of Jesus for how it is that we are not uh, to fear is because God cares for us. He gives two examples of, of proving that God cares for us, that even five sparrows being as relatively cheap as they are, they're sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God. So God knows the sparrows. He's mindful of them. How much more is he mindful of us? Secondly, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Okay, insert insert joke on baldness here, right? Okay, hey, so. wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Even Jacob's head, all of the hairs on Jacob's head are numbered. If he knows that, uh, then if he so intimately aware of us that he knows about the hair on our head. How much more valuable uh, are we to God than the sparrows, he says. So no need to worry, because He, we will not suffer uh, in his blind spot. You know, should they ever be tempted to deny Christ, maybe because of fear of being cast out of the synagogue and the shame and disgrace that would come with that, they should remember that that would mean that they would be disgraced and denied in the presence of the entire angelic band. If they stood and confess the Lord before men, regardless of the consequences, Jesus would confess them in the presence of angels. There would be times when the Lord's disciples would be brought before the leaders of the Jews and others. They would be urged to deny who Jesus was, urged to attribute his miraculous works to diabolical agency and blasphemy against the Holy Spirit but they must remain strong. It was possible that a disciple in such circumstances in the first century would have been tempted to give in. To prevent this from happening, Jesus admonished them to rely upon the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. You know, as I think along this line, I think of Stephen in Acts chapter 7, and I think of Peter's defense before the Sanhedrin, and Paul before Felix and Agrippa and all of those kinds of individuals, and where we really need to place our concern and our, our care. Yeah, I've, always, I've always wished that sermon preparation looked like verse 12. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about what you'll say in that hour. It will be given you what you should say. 
but this is this is the power of the spirit to uh, gift these uh, men with what exactly they needed to say to convict their their hearts so it really is a section about don't worry about the, what you're going to have to go through don't worry about your suffering don't don't worry even about what you're going to say because it would be given to them in that very hour that's a very gracious a gracious gift because that would be my fear is well I don't I don't know if I'll be able to properly defend you I don't know if I'll be able to say it as I ought to but you know the next thing that we need to talk about because it it comes from one in the crowd that was there is the parable of the rich fool and we find that in Luke chapter 12 verses 13 through 21 Luke chapter 12 verses 13 through 21 and I'll go ahead and read that then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yield plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This man must be so proud of himself because he actually interrupted Jesus' teaching with a request and ended up causing Jesus to tell a whole parable about him, what he had just done. Imagine this. Jesus is teaching about really important matters about trusting in God, about persecution, about confessing his name and all of that. And then someone chimes in about this family squabble. Teach a teacher tell him tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. As if to say, uh you know, I I'm glad you're here. Now you can get me my money which is due me. I mean just imagine Jesus thinking, uh, how unbelievable this is. You think I came down from heaven? I came to this earth for this? Uh, you know, and he saw that as a sign that the, the man was, uh, was worried about all of the wrong things and was covetous. You know, under the law of Moses, so that we can give this guy a bit of a break. <laughs> under the law of Moses, when an estate was being divided, the elder brother received two-thirds, while the younger brother received one-third, Deuteronomy 21 and verse 17. I don't know if this was the younger brother complaining of the elder brother who had not received the two-third proportion that was his according to the law. Which one it was does not really matter, because Jesus' response concerning covetousness shows that whoever it was, covetousness was the root of the problem. Yeah, and verse fifteen, um, to where, it, you know, even even someone who is affluent, some, someone who has is great uh, amount of riches physically, 
um, life doesn't consist of uh, his or her possessions. Um, no matter, we can take so much pride and so much, and so uh, have so much jealousy towards other people based on uh, possessions and things that we have or that others have. When at the end of the day, life is not about that. Um, and again, I think it's just re recentering our our focus because sometimes we can get so off track on this person has this or they're not giving me my fair share. Um, certainly, like we see. Um, the brother just wanting his inheritance, the, his his um, his part of it, and it's j just to. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is to make sure that we we're focused on the right thing, what our lives are really about. It does seem to me kind of like a Mary Martha kind of thing. It's like uh, everyone who's listening here is listening to what I'm teaching, and you're worried about this other less important matter. Verse 14, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Well, in one sense, you might say, well, God did, right? I mean, there is a day you're going to judge the world by the man, Jesus Christ. But in this sense, G Jesus did not come to settle these kinds of, of cases. That's not why I'm here. I will judge you on how you respond to this situation, I will judge you as to whether or not covetousness is allowed to rule in your heart. But working this out, um, you guys are going to have to do that. Do it according to the law. If you end up having to turn the other cheek and suffer wrong, then you better do that. Because I will judge you based on the good or evil that you do in life. You know, the parable itself shows that all the earthly possessions a man has do not go together to save him. In fact, his earthly possessions lead to his condemnation because of his attitude toward them. He wasn't dishonest. His wealth was apparently gained honestly from the fruitfulness of his land. His abundance was so great, he didn't have sufficient room to store his goods. So he tore down his old barns and built bigger ones and then decided to sit back and take it easy. Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. The man was demonstrating a perverted sense of what was important as well as selfishness. Six times the man used the pronoun I and said nothing about what he could do with his goods for anybody else. His love of his possessions is shown by the use of the pronoun my five times. You know, God called this man a fool. He was a fool because he devoted all of his attention to gaining earthly goods. He was a fool because he hoarded instead of giving and sharing. He was a fool because he obviously did not think of his duty to God or his fellow man. He was a fool because he thought he could feed his spirit with earthly things. He was a fool because he evidently forgot or never considered that death brings earthly pleasures, no matter how abundant they might have been, to an end and brings about judgment. All of the goods that he had accumulated while on earth would be left behind for other people to argue over. Perhaps even to have someone say, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Yeah, um, the problem was not that he was rich. Uh, it's that he was not rich toward God. We just got done not too long ago studying about the Good Samaritan. 
and I'm impressed by his, the Samaritan's willingness to invest in in the needs of others. I mean, he took my, he oil and wine and poured it on the man. He brought him to an inn. He paid for a stay in an inn. He gave additional funds to cover what was needed after that. He promised to even pay what would what was required. And here's the picture of a man who used his funds, his unrighteous mammon, if you'll permit me, uh, to make friends, knowing that, uh, well, he was trying to basically use that money in order to store up for himself treasure in heaven. And that's really the only good that we can use our money for. There's an old Spanish proverb, there are no pockets in shrouds, which basically is a way of saying you can't take it with you when you go. Let's go ahead now and look at the remainder or a major portion of the rest of this chapter in Luke, looking at Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. Ross, do you mind reading that? Sure. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As you can see, the next portion of the Lord's discourse at this time follows very smoothly along the warning against covetousness. Why should there be covetousness when material things will not prolong a life or provide true security and happiness, but trusting in God's will? Much of what Jesus said at this time was already presented in the Sermon on the Mount, but it's a new crowd and a different set of circumstances warranting Jesus repeating himself at this time. We are told that Jesus spoke these things directly to his disciples, but there is nothing to say that it was in private. Remember, there was a multitude gathered, and while Jesus was speaking to his disciples, he was teaching lessons that all needed to hear. Yeah, I think um, 
the the verse that always sticks out to me with this is 31 but seek his kingdom first all these things be provided to you um when we get so worried about um our resources and or if we're looking to build bigger barns to store to store our um, more goods if that's uh, a field we're literally in or whatever it may be clothes and um, food and all these different things is, is to look to god first i mean he takes care of the grass he clothes the grass um, which is alive today and gone tomorrow um, and how much more important you are and I am than than um, the grass is he he absolutely is going to take care of us and give us what we need it's just to seek him first and to keep that in the back of our minds at all times verses 32 through 34 are so uplifting as the good shepherd Jesus addressed the people with the term of endearment little flock. When God is put first in our lives, there is nothing to be afraid of. It is God's delight to give us the kingdom. At that time, the kingdom was not in existence as far as the church was concerned, but it would come with all of its privileges and blessings. Priorities need to be right. Do not hoard material possessions as if satisfaction and security are going to be found in them because it will not be but do good with them distribute to those who have need and so doing we are laying up treasures in bags that do not decay treasures that fail not in heaven riches that cannot be stolen the treasure and the heart go together that which we treasure most must be spiritual right Try to boil down into just like one word. What is the argument for not worrying here? And I think there's a few, at least three of them here, maybe more. Um, first of all, don't worry because God cares for you, or God cares. Secondly, don't worry because it's ineffective or ineffectual. Verse 25, especially in the New American Standard, I prefer it in this case, uh, says, and which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life's span? I like that more than one cubit to his stature. Uh, but by worrying, you can't change anything. God is the only one with power to change. And he, he could add a, an hour to your lifespan. He, ha, he did to Hezekiah, for example. So if don't worry about, for example, your health. What accomplishment is there to worrying about your health or some sickness or some surgery? You know what's really effective is prayer. So why worry? Uh, so he cares. It's ineffective. And then thirdly, you're just being like the world when you worry. Because all these things the nations of the world seek after. So they're, they're, let the world worry about things that they will worry about with their disacknowledgement of having a heavenly father. You have a father, and so don't be like the world and worry about earthly things. I think that's a good way and a good place to stop. We thank each and every one of you who listens on a daily basis. We appreciate it so very, very much. We encourage you to ask your friends, tell your friends about the Bible podcast. 
tell them that we're talking about the most important story ever told, the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. So until next time, thanks for listening.